On episode 56 of DevTalk, I speak to Jan Eckhoff about building the right product for the user. Welcome to another episode of DevTalk. My name is Kerry Lothrop, and today's guest is Jan Eckhoff. Jan is a colleague of mine. We work together at Zulka, and he is lead consultant UX and, and an overall wonderful person. Hello, Jan. Hi. That's uh, that's a nice thing to say. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, we were in a project together two years ago, and I know that what you are focusing on is uh, UX. And uh, mm -hmm. I was this. This is a topic that you hear in all the projects: UX this, UX that. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering if we could work out a common understanding of what UX is. Mm -hmm. That sounds like a good idea. Yes. What is it? Uh, what or if somebody asked you, what is UX? <laughs> what is your explanation? You got to have an elevator pitch, right? Um, well, not not really an elevator pitch because it's so many things uh, all at once. Um, mm -hmm. There's 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 so much confusion about uh, about the um, about the about the the words that that are being used in that in that area. But basically. Um, what we do as UX is we try to to build products that are um, right for our users. So basically, um, we have the uh, the understanding or the we are um, convinced that to build a good product, we have to understand what our users are, and and see what they do and which workflows they have, and basically try to to match the tool, the product that we're building to those workflows. So it sounds like a no-brainer. It sounds like right. this is what should have always been done from the beginning of software engineering or any other engineering. Mm. What is the approach for for doing this? What, what is, or what, I, I mean, the, the term UX, uh, I don't think it was a term when I, I started this job mm. uh, at Zulke like 13 years ago. Oh. I guess it used to be, uh, or the, there used to be this term usability when right. I started, and now we hear, we're hearing more of the term UX, mm. and I think there is a distinction. Um, yes, there is, um, but there's also a lot of history behind all this. Um, so mm -hmm. if if you look back, um, I, I, you're you're into into um, into aviation, right? Yes. So um, <laughs> there's there's this this story that um, there were lots lots of lots of runway crashes of of, of planes in the, in the 40s, I think, um, mm -hmm. and they 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 took in a, um, a psychologist to 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 examine that because they couldn't f figure out why. What they found out is that there are two levers um, in the cockpit that are right next to each other that have very very um, distinctive um, functions. But are labeled or um, are have the very very similar forms and are right next to each other, which mm -hmm. were uh, gears and flaps. <laughs> so basically, okay. uh, people, uh, pilots uh, who were in a stressful situation uh, landing or, or or starting, basically pressed or, or took the long the wrong lever and and uh, raised the gear when they wanted to to um, pull up the flaps. Okay. And so what happened was um, this this psychologist. Said, okay, we we need to we need to make these levers distinct from each other so they can feel blindly and under stress what's what basically. Yeah, this is actually something that has um, has is 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 in cockpits 
until today. So if you if you look in the modern cockpit, you see two def very different uh, levers: one with a with a little triangle, which is for the flaps, and one with a little wheel, which is for the for the gears. And that's where it's coming from. So basically, this to 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 close the circle, the this this um, this discipline is really quite old, and it was called back then. It was called uh, human factors or ergonomics. Mm -hmm. Just a question about the the my my aviation geek uh, part. Uh -huh. Are those two still right next to each other? Oh, I'm I'm not really sure. But I <laughs> actually this is something I should actually know. But <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, my, my wife uh, gave me a, a simulator run to my to my birthday. Um, yeah, mine did too. Actually, <laughs> cool. Um, yeah. and I should know as well, but I, I don't. So um, yeah, we have to look that up. But basically, I think this is something the instructor did who was sitting next to me. I was quite... worried about hitting the runway. <laughs> <laughs> that's quite possible. Um, yeah, but basically um, that's that's where we where we started and and from there on um, this this whole field of looking at the people that use um, products and services and and are basically the ones that we have to have to optimize this for. This field has had many names. So we started mm -hmm. with ergonomics and human factors, and we came uh, to to something like like usability, and now it's called UX. Um, and there was a distinction between usability and UX, which is um, UX is more uh, has more the the emotional um, part as well. So you, when when I want to when I want to convince engineers that usability is something that we um, that we need to have. I pull out the the standard, right? There's an uh, an ISO standard 9241, um, and there's a there's a definition in there. So usability is is very precisely defined as actually a um, the extent. Uh, let me let me see if I can get this straight. The extent to which a certain user in a certain usage context can reach certain goals efficiently, um, effectively, and satisfactorily. So okay. this is this is the definition from the standard. Um, so this is basically <laughs> yeah. They made me learn this by heart because it's, course, it's so yeah. important, and I, I agree, it's very important to have that. Mm -hmm. So being an extent means that is that is basically that is you, you could put a number to that, right? You could you could do some 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 quantitative tests and say this is this is a this has a better usability than that, with all the different uh, difficulties that we might get with that. Because how would you how would you quantify that? But there are some approaches of um, of quantifying usability, um, and user experience is something that came. Uh, on top, so to speak, to to encompass more than just the the, the product, um, to to look at the whole life cycle of a product. So not only um, can I work with it, is it is it is it is it usable? Is it something I can understand and maybe even be satisfied by using that? But also, how would I get to obtaining it? How long would I work with it? What would I do when it breaks? What is basically the whole the whole life cycle around that? Um, and this, of course, has been um, called other names as well. This has been called uh, customer experience or user journey. And that's basically, that's, that's a problem because we have lots and lots of, of different uh, names um, for different things. And, and I feel that, that the field of usability is, is in a constant struggle for, for words. But if you, if you look beyond that, it's really looking at what are my users what do they need, and making sure to 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 support what they're doing and getting out of their way.
and just, mm-hmm. just delivering a tool that's good for them. And that's basically, that's something that, um, that I, I really love doing. And, and um, basically what you, what, you, what you said was, it's a no-brainer, right? Yeah. Because it's maybe, it's, it's, it's a very um, hard thing to grasp. It's often not, not done sufficiently in projects. And that's where I come in. Yeah, I guess you, when you create a project, uh, I mean, in this case, it's mostly software engineering, but we also do hardware. You, you also work in those projects? Yes. Okay. And well, you have all these people from, from dis- different disciplines. You have mm. engineers who know how to how to write software or how to, to create mechanics. And then you have designers and then you have the people uh, who work on the requirements mm. and then you... You have stakeholders on all sides, and basically, they all have a different understanding of what the perfect solution would be. Yes, and maybe from an engineer's point of view, the uh, the user interface would look completely different than from the point of view of the designer. And they both think this is the the best solution. Mm-hmm. Are you the guy who then knows the best solution to to this? Or are you the guy who knows how to come up with that solution together with other people? Um, if that's my two choices, then it's the latter one. But I, I think I'm the guy who's coming up with the questions: who's who's that for, and how can we learn about this person in such a way as to as to um, optimize the project for them. Mm-hmm. And then um, make sure that those requir- requirements are included in the project because um, there's there's this little Venn diagram that's um, that's often been shown that shows three main sources of requirements mm-hmm. um, and these three th- these sources are um, business requirements technical requirements and user requirements typically um, the business requirements are um, define what what would make that product sellable right so mm-hmm. what do I have to do to make this product to be successful at the market in the market um, and the technical requirements are more how can I make sure this product can be built right this this is more a narrowing of the solution space so we're um, we're looking at the existing infrastructure we're looking at at things that that we can um, use to make this product work and we're, mm-hmm. we're saying this is this is how we could build this this is our our framework in which we which we could operate this and the third source is is uh, is the user this is typically the hardest to come by because you know how how you can set up a business model it's it's a, it's complicated and it's it's really not not a simple thing same with technical requirements it's a complicated and complex uh, complex endeavor to to make sure that the product can be built and can be sold but i feel that the uh, the user component is is even even more complex because people are so hard to grasp because um, they tell you one thing and they want another and, and they you try to make sense of them and and then they they elude you mm-hmm. and at least for myself I have a, a background in, in computer science um, I know that at some point in my life I started being interested in computers because they were easier than than, than humans were so um, I, I completely understand that that sometimes people get frustrated from from looking at users and can't make sense and not being able to make sense out of them. Um, but basically, <laughs> there other are... people get get uh, well, they, they get along with people much better than with computers. True, <laughs> true, exactly. Um, 
and still that's uh, that's something that you have to translate into requirements. Mm -hmm. Basically, what what UXs do, and also what what requirements engineer, engineers do, is is trying trying to to um, build up contact to users, to stakeholders, to try and understand the world for which we are building this product. Okay. And that means understanding, what, like the first thing is who's going to use this? Yes. Um, who, who would be our main, um, our main target uh, user group, so to speak? Mm -hmm. How would we define what uh, our main target group is? And maybe also what are secondary uh, user groups and also which user groups would we probably define to be not in our uh, focus? So to make sure that we're not um, designing something for the, so to speak, uh, flexible user, because there's, there's this concept of, or it's, it's rather a non-concept that if you're not defining your user group precisely, then um, discussions in project teams will, will uh, sway to one or the other direction, depending mm -hmm. on where you want to go. So basically, you in, in one discussion you will say, "Well, we have to we have to make sure this is so simple because people don't understand stuff," and in other uh, in other situations you would argue for a very complicated screen, for example, because you're you're sure that your user will figure that out. Mm. Um, and and it's, it makes it's it makes total sense to to define your user group and then make sure you understand what their capability and what their what their uh, work context is. Is that where you create personas? Uh, yes, there's there's the concept of personas and scenarios, mm -hmm. and it's it's um, actually it has been it has been invented by somebody called uh, Alan Cooper, which uh, software engineers might know as the father of uh, Visual Basic, I believe, mm -hmm. um, who then um, went on to to doing lots of UX work and and writing great books, and I believe he's now in a farm uh, and, and doing and doing. Uh, Farmers and stuff and, and woodworking. <laughs> and still, he's still very, very active on Twitter and um, still tweeting about UX. Yeah, so he's uh, he's um, come up with the, with the concept of personas and scenarios. Basically, um, the idea is to to do user research and to then come up with um, descriptions of your users that are uh, based on that research. So not something that you would think uh, or make up out of your mind, but um, by building it out of puzzle pieces that come out of user research, basically by, by interviews or by shadowing people doing their job um, mm -hmm. and, and, and trying to understand um, who they are and what they do. Um, and you, what what he preaches is that you can't think um, personas without scenarios. So basically, he's he's um, advocating for those personas going along with descriptions, very detailed descriptions of workflows that they um, that they do, so that you as a project team or we as a project team can understand um, what the real world um, um, workflows are that we are um, integrating our product into. And this basically is, is the idea of this is to help the team better understand and better bring the user perspective into discussions about design decisions. Okay. And, and then the result of this is that like lots of text or is that uh, a sketch of what some, for example, user interface could look like or what, what level are we here? 
it's it's maybe a good idea to to talk about user centered design in, in in general first. So mm -hmm. uh, there's um, when I when I come into a project, I try to to um, explain what what UX is doing, and I try to um, make myself understood by by writing a little diagram which basically um, contains four. Um, four arrows that point to each other. Like I've got a circle of four arrows mm -hmm. and the first arrow would be um, research. So what I what I uh, said earlier that we have to go out and, and, and meet our users and, and make sure we understand who they are and, and um, make sure we see their work context and their workflows. Okay. And the second arrow would be analysis. This is where personas come in. So we, we take all this all this information that we gather from our from our research and we uh, create personas and scenarios from them. So uh, we, we create um, requirement level documents that help the project team in better understanding what, uh, what our users, who our users are and what they mm -hmm. do. Um, and from there, we get to prototyping. From what we understand, uh, how we understand our users, we uh, try to create solutions for, um, for the problem that we see. So we are in an ideal world, we would go out, go out even before we have we have the idea for a product, just to understand the problem that our main users have, um, and then try to build a product specifically specifically for this uh, for this problem. But mostly, mm -hmm. in most projects I experience, it's it's uh, we we get sort of a, uh, a product vision, and then we we figure out the details of how what exactly is the problem that we're trying to solve. And and then we can go into prototyping very quickly and uh, and try to 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 come up with concepts to to um, of of a product that we that we'd like to build then and and, and that would solve that that problem, and then we would go go out as that's that's a fourth arrow we would would go out to the two users and and test the prototype with with our users, mm -hmm. and I have to I have to be very careful here to to use the word prototype because as I have learned. Um, it has very different meanings for very different um, disciplines. So um, I believe it's the mechanics that that, that basically uh, have very very uh, get very very big eyes if I talk about prototyping that early in a project because, <laughs> as, as I understand it, that is, this is something which um, comes very late in their workflow. Yeah. Um, but for me, a prototype can be as simple as a sketch on a piece of paper, right? So we uh, we just we have an idea for a user interface. Um, and we scribble a few a few windows, and, uh, and we just we go out and say, yeah, this is this is how we think it, this could be. Basically, when we when we go out to our users, we we think about the main tasks we like we'd like them to do to to augment their their workflow. Mm -hmm. And what we do is we sit next to them and we give them this this prototype, and we would tell them, hey, go ahead and do this one thing for me, please. And I will sit next to you and and look at what you're doing and please try to 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 think aloud as we say um, to to make yourself heard um, just just to to so we can understand what um, what's going through your head when you're trying to solve this task with our prototype and this is very very instructive for us of course because um, of course the first the first few concepts will be very very bad right we will have yeah. uh, very very uh, very very little understanding of what our users actually need because uh, basically what we do is we we try we try to get into their heads and into their world in in, in record time um, and this is why all this um, this user centered design process is very iterative so the four 
arrows point towards each other. So after after such test, that shows you where you where your concept was 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 wrong or didn't didn't solve the problem. You can go back to all the other steps, right? You can you can uh, decide to do more, more research. You can decide to to augment or to improve your personas and scenarios. And of course, you can uh, and you will update and 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 uh, iterate your your concepts and build new prototypes that you then again test so this is this is basically what what i do on a, on a on a tactical level like when i when i work as a ux on a project i'm going through this this user-centered design process many times ideally until we end up and at a at a concept that solves the problem well enough and then, yeah. and then we can go in, into into building it. And of course, this is something that uh, has to be informed by the other disciplines, right? We're not we're not in a um, we're not we're not alone in, in in this project world. We have the requirements of of the business and of uh, of technic uh, of the tech technicians as well. Yeah. Well, I, I imagine when you sit down with someone for the first time and say, "Please solve this task for me." Uh, it might happen that they say, well, what, well I would no, never do that task. or mm -hmm. I, because, And then you go back to the drawing board and, and yep. that, that's what you meant, this iterative, iterative cycle. Uh, go back to, okay, was, then we'll have to interview you now to understand how you are using the software, what your needs are. Exactly. And then you come up with another prototype and then you, you yeah. present it and then, okay. And, <laughs> Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's actually that's actually very a very uh, helpful thing. If 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 a user tells me that's that's completely wrong, what you're thinking there, because this, of mm -hmm. course, um, if we if we hadn't talked to them, we wouldn't have found out, and and we have would have built the, the completely wrong product, and we would have worked well. We wouldn't have served this 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 customer or this 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 user group or at least this this one user. But um, the the idea of of um, of qualitative testing, what is what we're doing? So we're we're talking, we're 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 doing in-depth interviews with our users, mostly an hour. Mm -hmm. And the idea is that even though you're just talking to five people, you're getting so much insight that uh, it can steer you. We do you don't need a hundred people or a thousand or a, some statistically significant number of people to 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 get enough insight to to steer mm -hmm. your decisions because you try to understand why and just not just what. Um, so yeah, this this is this is something that is that is really helpful. And what I what I have uh, found to be extremely helpful as well is if we um, as a UX team try to to include all the other disciplines in the project as well. So I'm trying to get uh, my my software engineers and my mechanical engineers and my my product manager um, to participate in these tests as well as note takers as listeners and just to 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 have them experience the uh, their user because I believe it's it's important for them to to do that and they get to get this insight and what I regularly hear is that they are really um, motivated after but that it, that they see the, the the value they're creating for them and, mm -hmm. and that they uh, that finally um, their their question of what's what's the the reason for for all this project is gets gets answered and that's that's something that is very satisfying to me. I imagine well, well, having you in the project as early as possible is probably very valuable. Mm -hmm. uh, the question is, how long do you stay in there? Do you accompany development all the way to release? Maybe also while the project is live, like say we we've created an app, um, mm -hmm. and now you had the opportunity to 
interview people, you iterated on the on the design, on the uh, functionality. Uh, now we have better testing, and we can get this out to to more people, and we get, get more feedback. And but, but then it's in the field, right? And then suddenly uh, you you look at the app store and you see all this feedback, like oh, why do I have to tap three times? Right. Is, 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 do you also accompany a project all the basically the whole life cycle until it uh, it, it disappears? Well, I would. I would argue that it is it has value to do that. Mm-hmm. My experience is that we, um, if we get into the project early enough, that basically very much of the UX work is is being done up front, which is which okay. is a good thing because uh, you you define your vision and you you inform the um, the general direction of the project and the the work of of UX has changes. In my um, in my experience, after after the vision is or af- after the research has yielded some stable uh, hypotheses of how the product should look, right? Mm-hmm. At the beginning, you're you're looking left and right, and you're you're trying to 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 build this this hypothesis, and um, and later you're going into a more um, detailed work where you where you try to um, to build. Uh, screens or to to concept screens so that they are actually um, uh, usable in a or or, or fulfill um, uh, style guides and, and guidelines that that maybe are um, requirements from the from the platform owner. So so there's there's style guides for for Apple, there's style guides for Windows, and for all kinds of, of platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, um, the the it's it's. It would still be valuable to 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 look at how people um, use this product once it's in the market because you're you're not done, right? So you're you're building version two from from the from the day of market launch, at least. Yeah. yeah. Um, if you're not completely certain that this is the one app that will that will last forever, which is not really something that I would be I would uh, say can happen nowadays. Yeah. Well, I I suppose it would be. Different. I mean, I mean, we're at a company where we do one project after the other. Oftentimes, at some point of the project, we we hand over to the customer, and then they they accompany the project while it's live. Although we sometimes also do the live phases, it would probably be different if we were a company that made just one product. Let, let's say, like the the Facebook app, mm-hmm. and then your job would probably be to to really optimize on uh what is there already and probably also of course to to work on new features Mm. yes uh, i think the difference between uh, a company such as ours and 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 the product uh, company as 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 facebook for example as as you mentioned is that i think one of our uh tasks could be to to um hand over the the ux work ux work to the customer or make them aware of the value that ux can can uh, deliver over the long run yeah in the cases where we um where where we support the life uh, the rollout and then the life phase of a product we can of course do this ourselves but um i often think that that i've i've done a great job when um when my customer has, has seen the value of UX and, and has, has um, built up their, their competency. Competency, yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, in-house, so I can, I can leave and... and uh, yeah. 
so you 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 leave you you move on to the next project. Uh, how much you take from from each project into the next? Well, we, there were two things, right? You you learn how to talk to people and get the the relevant information out of people. But then there's also this aspect of coming up with that first prototype. Mm-hmm. I, I think this is where the, where basically your invaluable project experience comes in that you you say okay i've done these projects in the last 10 years uh, i know if you design it this way then the users won't understand it so our first oh. prototype will do it differently and then you're already closer you 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 save iterations because you came up with a good first solution from basically just drawing from your experience yes and no when i'm prototyping or when I'm writing concepts, UI concepts, um, there are two main uh, directions from which I take my input. And the one direction mm-hmm. is, or the one source is, the the context of my users as I understand them at the time. So from, from user research, uh, I get some, some, some basic information of what's their, what's their workflow, what's their, um, what's their working context. Mm-hmm. And, and the other source is, being human as in general, right? So we are all humans. We all, most of us have, have two hands and, and, and 10 fingers. And, and, and we have a certain distribution of, of, of heights and, and, and we all have um, similar cognitive systems, of course, with, with variants and, and everything. But if I design for the, um, for, for a human in general, um, there are some heuristics that I can use. So, for mm-hmm. example, there's there's the heuristic of uh, of the the tens. So we've got 100 milliseconds, one second, and 10 seconds, and these are the times that that I can have in a product until uh, something happens with the human. So, and if mm-hmm. anything that that happens between zero and, and 100 milliseconds is perceived as being instantaneous. Right, I press a button and okay. something lights up on the screen, and it's below 100 milliseconds. Then most humans will will uh, have the instant connection between the button and then the, and the screen. Mm-hmm. And anything between uh, 100 milliseconds and a second, for example, um, there is some disconnect. So you have to probably do something on the screen to to make sure that the person uh, can can draw the connection. Mm-hmm. And anything between one second and 10 seconds, for example. Um, this disconnect is even greater, so we have to make sure to 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 show some sort of intermediate uh, widget, for example, like a progress bar or something like that. Then, is anything beyond ten seconds, uh, you can you can um, be quite sure that the that the human will do other things; they will go away. So they will be mentally <laughs> mentally just just have disconnected completely. And this is something that we can, of course, use to. Um, to to design screens that are it's it's not important if that if it's an airline pilot or uh, or a nurse uh, they will all work the same pretty much mm-hmm. yeah but but this is only half the uh, half the input in the other in, in the other half is very very uh, context specific so we have to make sure to 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 get this context and of course with project experience. I have seen some, seen some context, and I, I can I can draw some conclusions, and I'm pretty, probably a little bit faster than uh, than somebody who's just starting out. But I believe the main the main advantage that I have is that I that I have the experience in how to manage something like research or interviews or uh, 
prototyping tools and 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 basically how to how to communicate um, my concepts to my users and also to the other team members. So how how would I make myself uh, heard in the team and make sure that my ideas or the ideas of the UX uh, capability get uh, get integrated into the project? Because that is that is something that is really that I had to learn the hard way. Because as you said at the beginning, right? Uh, it's it's a no brainer. And once you you uh, you dive deep into UX, you it's it's hard for you not to understand uh, to not understand how people uh, can do that or, or won't mm-hmm. won't won't do that in the project. And and you have to get out of there and you have to make sure to 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 show the value and to to be persistent that that these that these things are really done because they're often forgotten. One last thing I'd I'd like to find out from you is we we've had this topic on on the podcast. Uh, a couple of times, uh, mainly with with Denny, uh, about um, designing for people with disabilities. Mm-hmm. I know at work you are uh, someone who also uh, tries to to uh, work on inclusivity and uh, diversity at our company. Mm-hmm. If you're picking out like a handful of people, the chances are that you're you're not picking up on the needs of some people who are. Well, a little different than others who uh, might not have ten fingers, mm-hmm. or uh, who might not be able to tell colors. Well, you probably couldn't take somebody or one one person with each uh, possible disability into your group to test out your your hypotheses. Mm. But how do you uh, come up with a solution that uh, that is good for for everyone or for the majority, well, I, I mean, it's probably not not pr- possible to make a solution that works for everyone. How do you make sure that those people are not left behind? Mm. Um, it's it's a whole um, it's a whole field called accessibility that that opens up there. Um, mm-hmm. What we're trying to do is to to um, to work with this on a on a systematic level. That, for example. Y- if you're doing a good job, you'll never signify any state by by color alone. For example, you just yeah. you just you're always uh, doing doing having having two paths of of communicating state by color and an icon, for example. Mm-hmm. And this this would this would basically um, be helpful for people who are red green blind, uh, blind or or colorblind in general. Yeah. Um, and you're trying to 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 come up with heuristics for for the most uh, common. Um, uh, things that will come up in in, uh, in terms of accessibility and of mm-hmm. course you have to you have to be on the lookout for for uh, specific disabilities or properties of, of 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 people that that are in your in your user base as you as you have described in your target user group for example if you're if you know that your users will be uh, will be hard of hearing for a large yeah. to, to a large extent, or or will be in a in a noisy environment or something. It doesn't have to be as a disability, right? It has to be. It can also be a noisy environment or anything anything else that that just uh, impairs your your um, your ability to to see or to 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 experience the product. Then you have to you have to account for that. But yeah, it's it's a really it's it's really depending on on what's what's your on what's your user base and 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 also how much how much budget you have unfortunately because it's it's yeah. all, eventually somebody will will um will pull the plug and say that's that's enough enough design work for now we have to build it now and and by that point you need to be uh content to have done 
that much that you had been able to do to 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 make sure to 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 ensure accessibility for as many people as possible yeah i mean yeah there there are these things that uh, are are in all the handbooks like like make sure that it's your app if you're creating an app it's accessible to somebody who is who is just using a screen reader instead right. of and, and you can't see mm. um and there are there are ways to do that but but i think this is also something where you have to where you have to have that experience because it it's not obvious if if you just develop your app by by looking at stack overflow you probably wouldn't catch these mistakes that you're doing or the the things that you you signify state only mm. through color or yeah but it's it's difficult i i know there are some uh, environments where this is mandated uh certain accessibility requirements have to be met right. uh, typically in germany that's the government websites and uh, anything that's, that's for the for the wide public yeah and it is it is a question of budget and uh, there are some things you can do on a, on with just virtually no budget impact if you just do them from the start mm. it's it's something that um that you have to be um, lucky in the project to that somebody points it out, and I would I would argue that uh, if you have a UX person on the project, uh, the, the the possibility that somebody points out accessibility is is important here is significant significantly higher than if, yeah. if you don't have them, even if we don't have the budget to do it in a in a really in a proper way, but at least mm -hmm. have have be on the lookout for it and make make sure that everybody thinks about that and does their part because at the end um we are all designers right it's it's um it the uxs are called designers but basically everybody who shapes their product has has some part in designing it and this this goes down to to of course something like engineers um making sure that the screen reader can read all the uh all the tags on the on the UI, and so we can't UX can't can't do it alone. Uh, neither can can the techs or the, the the business people. We have to do it together. Yeah, but, but I think w what you said that it's just good that uh, never do things that only work with one of the senses, and that, that's mm -hmm. if, if if it only if you can't use the app if you can't hear something happen, then that's probably a bad idea. If you can only use the app, if you if you have to if you shake your phone and you're not able to do that, then uh, think of alternatives. So if you if you have two ways to achieve something, then that's probably always a good idea. It's it's a good way to start uh, thinking about yeah. that in that way. Yes, that's true. Well, uh, thank you, Jan, so much for showing me this this field. I know we've worked together. I've I've um, experienced this live, and I've seen the impact that that you can have. And I'm really glad that we have people like you at our company that that focus on this. I mean, a couple of years back, um, an engineering company like ours would not have hired people to focus on this. So I think we're, we're moving in the right direction mm -hmm. and we're getting UX involved in more and more projects and uh, just, well, Keep, keep up the good work and thank, thank you for telling us about it. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Thanks for the nice words. This has been another episode of Dev Talk, and we'll see each other again in two weeks. Bye bye. bye.